So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Kimberly Warner from Film Cymru and Mad as Birds. <clears throat> Hi everybody. Um, so first off, uh, to introduce myself, um, I'm Kimberly, I'm head of creative business at Film Cymru. Um, that basically means that I oversee development production, um, company support funding, BFI, Welsh Talent Network and Cinematic. I think that's everything. Um, and then if you could all just introduce yourselves and give us a bit of background on you, that would be great. I'm Kellen Jones. Wow, I'm louder than you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. You're right, even at the weekend. Hello to the live stream. Is it Banger, Aberystwyth, and Kamada? Is that right? Let's all wave to them. Hooray! <laughs> um, uh, my name is Kellen Jones. Uh, I'm one quarter of Madison Birds Films. Uh, I'm an actor, a writer, and a bit of a producer. And as of this week, a T boy as well. Great. And grip. Yeah. Um, Andy Evans, um, producer, um, spent 20 years running a post-production house before stepping over the fence and uh, still trying to figure out what to do next. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm on? Aide Shannon, judging by the slide I've been fired. <laughs> <laughs> or just and, no, and no one told me, yeah. Well, they just think Elijah Wood's <laughs> aged. <laughs> um, so I'm one of the producers at Madders Birds. Um, I joined the industry very late, so wasn't involved in, in entertainment at all until 39, when uh, through Kel, I got involved in Set Fire to the Stars, which is our first project, and then fulfilled a lifelong dream to get involved and be a filmmaker. And I'm Sean Marley, the fourth quarter. Um, I've sort of worked my way through all the different forms of media over my career. So I started in radio, local radio, uh, I have a theatre business that does bizarre shows for football clubs. Um, and I, I was the MD of a company called Lion Pictures in Liverpool, which made lovely shows that I'm sure you've all seen, like Hollyoaks and The Only Way is Essex and Geordie Shore and various things like that. Um, and now I'm part of this amazing team. Great. Um, we're going to kind of kick off by showing some clips of Madders Bird's films. Uh, we'll start with the first feature, Set Part of the Stars. If you could do a little intro to it first, that would be great, Callum. The, the, our first feature was um, called Set Fire to the Stars. Um, it was a, a literary biopic, but we called it our Punk Dylan Thomas project. Um, we filmed it in Swansea. It was meant to be, we filmed it in 18 days. Um, we uh, made it, uh, I suppose, in a micro feature way, but we got Elijah Wood to star in it, which was fantastic. I played Dylan Thomas. It came from the fact that I felt I should play Dylan Thomas. Um, <laughs> Nobody else did. Yeah, exactly, which is part of it, really. And um, uh, yeah, so I thought if anybody was going to play a, an overweight, uh, you know, curly-haired Welshman, then uh, I should have a good go at it. Um, but, uh, but the point is, is that we, I wanted it, it burned that brightly inside me that I wanted to do it. So uh, that was the beginning of, of our company. It was the beginning of our filmmaking experience. Uh, I wrote it with the director, Andy Goddard, and produced it with the team. And we are uh, still very, very proud of it to this day. So uh, are we watching a clip? Yeah, let's, let's watch the I believe him to be the purest lyrical poet in the English-speaking world. Your man has a reputation for roaring behavior. 
brought wives, mothers, and the London police. How do you propose to handle it? I'll improvise. I'm Dylan Thomas. I'm a friend of John Malcolm Brennan. Him. I can do this, Jack. I can get him ready for America. You must warn you, I might break your heart. How much trouble can one poet be? <laughs> It's about feeling something. Allowing ourselves to feel it first before we tear it apart for answers. Jesus, John. What have you done? No! <laughs> Why'd you have to ruin it? I'm sorry. There's no secret, John. No holy grail. It is what's in front of all of us. Set fire to the stars. The great, the good, the kings, the czars. Kindling from wing and tires. Took the coal and crashed the cars to the ground. Great to see that again after yeah. a while. Yeah. Um, we'll get into the details on each film later, but uh, just to provide more context, Andy, would you be able to talk about uh, The Vanishing, maybe? Yes, so the, the next uh, little clip you'll see is a film that we've actually finished filming two years ago and just hit the cinemas yesterday. Uh, and we had the lovely Mark Commode who gave it a nice review yesterday, which was helpful. So it's, it's, it's a wide release in Scotland at the moment, and then depending on how well it does there, it might filter down here to a few places. So uh, this is our second feature, slightly different, big budget, but a similar technique. We gave a script to Elijah Wood that no one was ever offering him. And we did the same with Gerard Butler and we got him. So this is our second film. You turn up? Nah, you don't scare me, big man. Is that all you're taking? That's all I have. Thomas! He's dead. Let's get that chest up before the tide comes in. Are you doing? I'm opening it. No. It's this shot. Put it out of a mate. Chest, I promise. This stays closed. I need to know. Yeah, we don't talk about this. Do you tell no one, and I mean no one. One more spoken, and we are dead. That's a lot more dangerous than you seem to think. What are you saying? Will you be able to keep your trap shut? They're on the island. One of them's here. <laughs> we take that gold. We leave right now. Off somewhere, boys. I don't think you realize what's become of us. You're hooking my brains out too, huh? Shut up! It wasn't yours to keep, Keeper. We all have to pay for what we've done. All of it. 
I'm going to try to project, then, but can everyone hear me or no? Okay. Um, so finally, uh, if Sean or Aid, you'd want to talk through your upcoming... Poms. Okay. So you're probably thinking, why on earth would, would we make this movie? Because it's about a group of women who set up a cheerleading squad in a retirement home. Um, and it's, it's an interesting project <clears throat> because of the nature of this discussion, because it's actually a first-time director and a first-time writer but it's at scale um, and it's been a, a, a really interesting journey. So it began with us meeting a filmmaker who had made feature docs, but, but never made uh, drama before, uh, called Zara Hayes. And we met her in a coffee shop in LA in 2015. And she was telling us about an idea. She had to make a short documentary about this real group of women who'd set up a a cheerleading squad in a retirement home in Arizona. And we were like, that's, that's a feature. Um, and we had this, this really great journey of, of developing that film with her and uh, a writer called Shane Atkinson, who'd never made a film before either. And uh, it went from that conversation in a coffee shop to um, the biggest sale at the American film market last year to, uh, to STX. And they're releasing in the US in about two and a half thousand screens on Mother's Day on May 10th. So it's a, an uplifting comedy with uh, a great cast headlined by Diane Keaton and Jackie Weaver. Great, let's see the clip. Welcome to Sun Springs Retirement Community. Have the time of your life for the rest of your life. Oh. We are young. We well, you got everything you could ever need. Over a hundred clubs. And what brings you to Sun Springs? Oh, I'm just here to die. Uh-huh. Hi. Moving uh, in. I was hoping you'd be a man. There's not enough erections around here as it is. What's this? You were a cheerleader. My mother was very sick, so I quit the team. Maybe you should give it another shot. We want to start a cheerleading club. Who will you be cheering for? Ourselves. Show us what you've got. Woo! She's great. I always did want to be a cheerleader. I asked my husband, what did he say? Over my dead body. That was fast. A little too fast. Did you ask me? See, I practice. A competition. Mm -hmm. Let's sign up. We could do with a little help. We want you to be our choreographer. The oldest category is 18 plus. We're 18 plus. 18 plus 50. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to be a lot tougher than I thought. When I dump too much, I get dizzy. I had my knee replaced. Did I mention I had chlamydia? Yeah, you did, along with the shocking amount of other information. Martha, what about you? Me? No, I'm fine. I'm fit as a fiddle. Why didn't you tell me? I'm dying. You were dying yesterday, and you're going to be dying next week. In the meantime, you should be dancing your ass off. You are going to humiliate yourself. I can't do this. We're all so worried about what everyone else is thinking, when, of course, the only thing that really matters is what we think of ourselves. Break the hip. Get pregnant. I always wanted to date a cheerleader. I know you're scared. You're scared too. 
but there's one I'd rather go out there with. I've never had a grandma before, and now it's like I have eight. You're one of us now, except with higher boobies. <laughs> Wow. Well, I think we can all agree it's quite a diverse but impressive <laughs> of clips there. Um, so before we start off, I'm just wondering if anyone in the room has made a, a feature film. Put your hands up. Yeah. So we've got a couple. Um, and the rest of you, who is a writer in the room or aspiring writer? And producers? A couple. Directors? And then writer-directors? Okay, I hope no writer, producer, directors. Nah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, I mean, maybe we could just start off by going back to Set Fire to the Stars. So, um, when did that idea originally come to you, Kellen? Uh, I found a book by Jane Brennan when I was at drama school 20 years ago. It was called Dylan in America. I thought it was just like this, it was kind of an apocryphal book really, but the idea of Dylan Thomas going to America like this rock and roll poet and how it changed him and how he sort of went back. Um, I just thought that was the story that really, that stuck with me. And then I met Andy Goddard, uh, he was directing me in, in some television and we got on really well and he was writing some stuff and I was writing some stuff and he said, why don't we write something together? And they said, why don't we do... Dylan Thomas just tried, this is just as an idea. We just thought nobody was giving us any money. Nobody was giving us the opportunity, but he was a director, I was an actor. Between us, we had the script and we could write a script. So we had three jobs sorted out. And then Andy said, there's a moment in the book where Dylan goes to a log cabin for a week before he goes to Yale. That's kind of, would be brilliant to make a chamber piece because it could be a little bit uh, it would be easy to be contained, we could concentrate on characters, we could concentrate on the narrative, we could see Apex, they could, John changes in that story, Dylan doesn't change in that story, so we thought if we set it over that week it was really exciting. We then got together, uh, where did we meet? In the coffee shop in Manchester, was it Andy? Yeah. And we got, we, so we, we, we met then, at that point mm -hmm. we had producers, we had a script, idea, we had the Dylan Thomas, and we had the director, we had no money whatsoever. <laughs> and we thought, why don't we just see how far we can go with this? And the first thing through the writing process, we thought, Andy, called, Andy Goddard called me up and said, what about Elijah Wood? Wouldn't Elijah Wood be great to play John? We thought, well, he'd be amazing. We then said, wouldn't it be great if it was in black and white? Because Swansea in black and white is very like 1950s New York. And, um, and uh, but it gives this sort of an aesthetic and the joke I always used to say was, well, we wrote it in black and white, so we made it, make it in black and white. And uh, it's still got legs, that joke. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and then the other dream was, where I thought, well, do you know what? If I found the magic lamp now, I'm gonna play Dylan Thomas in a film, making with my friends, and it's gonna be black and white. I'm gonna make it in Wales. And Elijah Wood, which the guys got to like his agent, they read it, they liked it, he said yes. I was like, okay, what would the last wish in the lamp be? It would be, well, Griff Reese from the Super Fairy Animals writing the soundtrack, you know? And we got in touch with Griff, and the, you produced Rings Around the World with him, the DVD for that, didn't you? Yeah, years ago. Yeah. So Andy set up the meeting, <clears throat> Griff read it and went, 
yeah, sounds pretty cool. <laughs> and, uh, and we were away, and we had this little team. <clears throat> and I think this is it, really. Now, this room's full of little teams, mm. and that's what you need to make a film. You know, I think the world is... The business is, sells this narrative that uh, of breaks, of, all, of things that are given to people, that are things that are created, that agents sit in a drawer with things to hand out to people and opportunities. I don't believe there is that. If you can get a group of people that you like working with and you're all stuck to the right idea, you can travel pretty far. And then from that period, we were able, we had our lead actor, Elijah Wood, I wasn't worth a penny. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, you know, a, a sale in Anglesey somewhere. But, um, and we had Griff, and we had a director, and we had the will to make this film. Mm -hmm. And that's when the guys could go and raise the money to make the film. So we, you had a cast of that level as well, which we is unusual cast. for your first feature in some ways to have someone like Elijah. Talk me through the timeline to make it less interesting, Kevin. <laughs> so... When did you first start working on the script and when did you take it to Elijah? And then when was it a point when you were going out to, well, so, I guess you, we came quite late. So when you came to us, maybe. Andy and I uh, thought about the script for about a year. Mm -hmm. When we committed to going on this journey, we started writing it in the summer. 2013. 2013, was it? <clears throat> yep. The script went to Elijah. He said yes in September 2013. We were in pre-production January 2014. The film we were in main production February and March 2014. We were at the Edinburgh Film Festival up for Best British Film six months later. We were in cinemas three months later than that. So efficient. Huh? Efficient. Okay, listen, <laughs> if you get the opportunity, you gotta yeah. you go up to the bell, you may as well ring it, you know? So uh, yeah, you can run quite fast together, I think. Was that the first script that you'd written? Uh, no. feature script? No. no. No, I wanted to do a film about the uh, origin of the goons of Spike Milligan and Peter Sellers and Harry Seacombe and Ben Team. Um, so that was the first script that I was that was that, that I as a writer. Um, and I still gonna, we're still going to make that film, but it's, it's a whole other story, that isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I hope you're going to make that suit that film. Mm -hmm. um, but that was the first time I wrote this wrote a script. So why do you think set fires came together where those others maybe didn't? Was it just there was a, a push on that one or was there something that was resonating about it more than? Well, the, I think we created the buzz because we did not go through a traditional route. We just said we were doing it. And that's the difference. That was its strength mm. because we didn't get lost in development hell. Mm. We didn't get lost in the promises of other people. We didn't, we, we were the master of our own success or demise, and uh, we pushed it forward. So that, um, so it wasn't a traditional thing. So, so we had... We had no BFI, we had no. no, we had no money. So when Elijah said yes, we had no money. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't tell them that, but we didn't have any money. Um, but we had a window. We literally had Elijah for three weeks in the period that we ended up shooting over 21 days mm -hmm. that focused the mind slightly um and we managed to get so we, we didn't really understand where to get money from either you know yeah. i run a post-production house never produced a film in my life and you know 
it, it's how the hell can you do it? So, you know, we're all, apart from you, you know, we're all guys in our 40s now. You know, <clears> and I just look like I'm in my 40s. So, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, but we didn't have money. We didn't have our own money to put in. We just had our resources. So we we raised, we, we basically raised the money for Set Fire, what they call retail money, which is retail money is money that you get through connections of people who might want to contribute something. So we raised half a million pounds um, from various places, but we did do it through an EIS scheme, mm. which is a tax uh, benefit, um, mm. which allows any investor to get 30% of their money back and then find a way to, to do that. But even but the even, guys raised that three or four times. Yeah, it fell out three or four times. <laughs> we literally had got enough money to put Elijah on a plane, and we thought, if we get him here, once he's here, maybe those doubters will go, Oh yeah, it's the Hobbit. Let's. Uh... <laughs> that that literally was the strategy. Get him there, and things will happen. So we just kept going, as you said, until until the brick wall was too strong, or we couldn't get over it. Yeah. And we went into production, flying like, not knowing. You know, we had great. Plus, we also pulled some great favors. You know, I worked in post production for so long, so I pulled a lot of post favors. You know, Kel being an actor and worked with a lot of DOPs and and and, and so forth. Andy Goddard. Had directed Downton and Doctor Who episodes. He pulled in a great DOP. So I think we've pulled every favor for that film we could ever do. People really turned up for us. Yeah, they so really you turned could, up. So, you know, you, and so you did Swansea. Go, yeah, you couldn't buy that film for half a million pounds. No, it was not half a million pounds. It's half a million pounds and probably like two million pounds worth of favors. And a lot of gray hair. Yeah, so well, we were in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> so you had that kind of uh, finance raising skill set within your team already, because it can be quite complex. <laughs> he, and with he, EIS, it's just changed. He kind and, of did. Uh, well, I didn't. It was that was a weird because. So I, I mentioned before, I'd uh, not worked. I'd always wanted to work in film, but like my first job was as a scriptwriter, and then it just got away from me. And I thought, you know, that dream had passed at thirty nine, and then. Uh, I was looking for stuff to do and you came to see me because I'd known Kel for like 20 years yeah. and uh, I didn't have an, you know, it wasn't I'll help you raise money because I can get a career in film or anything like that. I just thought it was a fantastic project and uh, for my previous businesses I'd raised VC money um, but I'd never done it for film so Kel told me about it and he was like, I was like, yeah, this is great. Half a million, how long have we got? Said, about three weeks. But we managed to to do it and right. you know i think we had about 17 people who put money into yeah. that wow. and that's individuals so that was everything from five grand to an individual to put in a hundred um and then on film agency wales or as it was called then <laughs> keeping you on your toes yeah, yeah well, <laughs> at that point they put in some money and so did the welsh government um you know and, and we didn't even know how to cash flow the tax credit you know until afterwards you know because you know, most films these days, you, you say your budget's 100,000, then the UK government will give you 20% of that back, 22% of that back, but you need to have spent it first. Mm. So we didn't know there were companies who would cash flow that for you for a fee, which meant we already would have had to. Yeah. So many things you hadn't a clue about. Mm. So it's a big learning curve always. Oh, it still is. still is. What are the main things that you took from that experience on set fire? That, that and it could be creative or the great work is made by a group of people yeah you know it's it's an absolute collaborative process mm -hmm. and it's an experience in a film that i will be proud of forever and the experience was beautiful and the pressure was there for sure mm -hmm. um but 
we did it because out of it, it gave us, it gave us a platform, it gave us a company, it gave us awareness, and it gave us, it gave me a writing career. It get you know, it gave us stuff that you could not buy, and it, we only received that because we went out and did it. If you know what I mean. It, it sort of set the template for this company as well. You know, <coughs> gave it its name. It gave it its its calling card. Um, and like there's things you learn, like as Andy said before, you know, that asking Elijah to do something other people weren't asking him to do was mm. was a smart thing to do. We didn't necessarily know it at the time, but that's something that we learned and took forward. And you know, there was real intel into making that approach to Gerald Butler in the next film because we knew that he was looking for something a bit different. He wanted to play mm. in his homeland and he wanted to play a Scottish yeah. character. So if you can kind of dig into some of that of what people are looking for. Um, sometimes you can punch it with your weight in terms of you retract to the project. I was going to ask, because obviously Kelly, you are an actor and continue to be a very successful actor. Um, how accessible do you think talent is of, of an even higher level like Elijah Wood, perhaps to new filmmakers um, without connections? Um, well, give people something to do, mm -hmm. you know? So, Every time, if, if, if I'm writing a character that has three lines, then make it the best three lines. If you can give that character a journey within those sections, then it will make that moment better and it will make your protagonist's moments better. And actually, you will get actors who will want to come in. So you kind of start thinking, you know, if you're, not, if you're, if you're asking people to be in your film, make it worth their while. Why is it worth their while? Because make it be something that they want to be part of something that's in them that they want to express so as an actor you know the actors need to feel attached to a role they really do and that the sort of higher up the more food chain you get the the more nuanced that that is which is a fascinating kind of thing about what why people choose to do things so you just make as many you, you and then you think to yourself right we haven't got the money i'm going to make it a good character but also i'm going to make it, it we're going to box clever so that person's not going to have to give up three months of their life yeah you know they can go off and do a big studio movie and they can come to wales for a few days and really enjoy themselves and feel like they're part of something so you just got to think like that you gotta i think you know if a writers have to think like an actor but you also have to think like a producer especially in the indie space you know um rather than just saying a big spaceship comes down and says, you know what I mean? Like, like you don't create problems for yourself or the film. What was the budget for Set Fire? Around? 500. 500. Yeah. And so when you speak about the kind of EIS money you pulled in and, and those investments, um, how do you manage that moving forward to your next projects to are those uh, investors that you go back to time and again? Or how do you protect those relationships? Because clearly the profits aren't huge on someone's first feature. Yes, yeah, so. Once they had done all this hard work, I joined them because that was way. <laughs> <laughs> so that's they the put, smarts. That's the smarts, right? I there. just watched these guys for about two years doing all this stuff. In fact, they asked me to put some money in, and I said no. Um, and then suddenly realised what they were doing was something quite special. So I, I joined uh, at, at that point, and I guess our aim was to say, "Here's something creatively brilliant that we've done that the the world saw, um, but the industry still." 
didn't know us particularly. So we had to start knocking on some doors. Um, and I guess to, to Andy's point, there was the there are various routes to finance. And unless you want to be bored, I won't bore you with all of them. Um, but we had to take some time to do two things, I guess, understand the industry a bit more so that we could structure the finance in a slightly more structured way and more um, industry standard way. And at the same time, develop a slate of projects, two of which you saw before. And I think we were very careful that we didn't say, right, let's go out and tell everybody what we're going to do. We went out, we, we didn't say anything for two years and we self-financed ourselves to develop a slate of about seven or eight projects. And I think the key was we learned from Setfire that don't just send a project out um, to financiers unless there is a element of a package around it. Um, because this industry is very good at making it sound like it's really tough to get things done. And it is, but it, it almost makes it sound tougher than it really is. Just, and it, it's like putting people off. So it's you know, the idea that we've got a Judy Dench, a Jim Broadbent, an Eddie Izzard, a, a Diane Keaton, a Jackie Weaver. If you'd have said that two years ago for a company that never been heard of, it, it, most people wouldn't believe you. And I think that's because we have perhaps knocked down some of those barriers that people tend to give you belief that are there. Kel's an actor. He reads scripts and decides whether he wants to play those parts himself. Diane Keaton reads scripts and decides whether she wants to play those parts or not. She got a script from us from a first-time director and a first-time writer from a company she'd never heard of, and the product chimed with her, and therefore she wanted to do it. And that's the big thing that these guys keep telling me as the sort of boring guy who's, who's only really bothered about getting the money in, is the, the, the good stuff and the good material will find a home. Um, so to your point, um, once we had had that slate of projects, we then tried to package around them. So bring in directors, bring in at least one cast member, and then starting to talk to some of the more industry standard financiers um, and approach it in a slightly more traditional way. Because mm. actually going to, how many people was it? 17 individual people, <laughs> most of which you know, and therefore you feel <laughs> petrified that you're taking their cash is a really difficult thing to do. So the less you can do that, the better, although there are still some elements of that that we did do for a couple of years to raise development finance. But we started looking at the more corporate approach to finance rather than the individual approach to finance. But it was a, it was a mix between the two. Right. I think there's a, just a, a quick point as well to make about Sean, Sean, Sean joining, although he, he did joke about it. I think one of the other things you've got to look at, and we definitely did it before Sean joined, we knew we wanted him to join because we knew that he had skills that we didn't have in the team. And I think it's really important that you recognise not just what you're good at, but what you're not good at as well. And as Kel said, there's lots of little teams in this room, you know, and, and we're the same. We all know we've all got different skills, all of which are critical to getting a film end to end, to, you know, production. And it's important to do that too. It, I personally, I think it's virtually impossible to do it on your own. I know I couldn't. And that's why this team works well, because we all know and trust each other, but we all know what we're good at and what we're not good at. And I think that's, that's a really important thing to recognise as well. Can you talk to me about what you, um, what you actually do on a day-to-day -day basis, not to sound insulting, but in terms of the other projects that you've had, um, who he produces, what, what are your roles and how do they, they maybe go vary per project? Jesus. Um. <laughs> what do you do? There, what, there, there is nothing that you don't do. Yeah, I can tell you that for a fact now. 
we shot a film which we haven't spoken about yet and mm. we can't show you a trailer until six minutes to midnight so that's with judy dench and um jim broadbent kellen wrote it um with eddie Izzard and andy goddard directed it and set fire and that was another another say it was a six million pound film that we wrapped on first week of august um if you'd have been in eastbourne on thursday you'd have seen me and him with a camper van a cameraman eddie Izzard, and some extras in costume running around trying to get our last day because we had no money left so literally i am i i i was dit driver unit you were first ad um, seriously so there is no just to give you that scope and six it months was brilliant prior, it, was it was brilliant, brilliant. yeah because you just feel like yeah i mean that, but like it's that whole thing about you need each other absolutely right but also one can do a lot more than we think we can do as well yeah. like like uh i only want to do this bit like we, we have to do a bit of everything and then you surprise yourself that actually oh i don't need i i can i can, I can put a lot of things together for this it's an interesting question as well Kim. we often get asked how do you become a producer and, and i think it's really impossible to answer that because a producer is so many different things mm -hmm. it can be the guy that created something and oversees it from a creative perspective mm -hmm. it can be the guy who tries to find some money for it it could be whoever you know they're all producing elements and i think sometimes <laughs> the industry again pigeonholes that word into being something specific and it yeah. couldn't be less specific and such a broad role now i think if well. you get yeah. one tag it, you know we've got a slate of films now and we it's not really a lead producer but you need someone that is pulling or pushing the project forward yeah. trying to inch it forward and looking for opportunity a meeting a conversation <coughs> and something you overheard just to help inch it forward and it might be something that i can't specifically do and then i'll go and cry on his shoulder and go how do we get some money mm. uh you know well, we have all got ones that we're uh, so we were in london yesterday talking about two projects that yeah. aid is leading on so we're that's that's probably the Keep. one thing we do we have projects that we lead on but we all work on all of yes. projects right but it, could, it could be anything from a bit of ip so somebody approaches us or we find a book or we find an i or have an idea or we meet somebody who brings an idea and then we develop that into a script and the, and we we've every film we've done we've taken from a blank piece of page a blank piece of paper to um to the to the finished article yeah. so um okay. it's it's whatever needs to happen at that point does that make yeah. sense so yeah, our day can be anything from being in the office together working out on the you know I, I I have to go and hide and write sometimes mm. because I uh, because the the company needs me to do that. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it yeah. doesn't need me sticking my nose in stuff that they guys can handle sort of in the office. But at the same time, so we just sort of keep it, keep it fluid. But mm. you just have to keep. If yeah. you someone said to me, Gillis McKinnon, brilliant director, Gillis McKinnon. He said if if you're not if a producer is not waking up and thinking how do i move this project forward today a millimeter a centimeter an inch whatever if i can't if not thinking about moving it forward then they're not a producer mm. so and that so it, it's a huge question it could be anything from whatever the building blocks are you know you're like an engineer i guess and you've got to have that real faith in the project and i think there That's is essential. a through line mm -hmm to your slate uh, even though as we discussed on, on first glance it might not be as clear 
So could you talk about what attracts you to projects, which projects you decide this is worth, this is worth the energy and, and the time? It's a start, starting point is always, I think for us, is it something we want to see? Okay. You know, and Kel always talks about stories sticking to you, you know, um, I think our, our, our thing is we always try and come at stories from a different angle. That's, you know, where, where, where we are aesthetic, if there is one, you know. So the Dylan Thomas movie isn't necessarily just about Dylan Thomas. It's about the guy that brought him to the States for the first time. You know, um, the, 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 the thriller uh, movie was, you know, had that Scandi noir thing to it. So it, that we're always looking for something like that. But it's just sometimes you'll hear something or read something or whatever and that's the thing is you've got to your radar's got to be up at all times mm. I mean, even those three projects that you saw you know keep, well vanishing sorry came about with a conversation you had with your co-writer joe bone over breakfast one morning you yeah know? um poms came about from a conversation we had in a, in a coffee shop um six minutes to midnight came about because these two bumped into Eddie and had a boozy night with him in Cannes, you know, and spoke about nothing. You never get anything where it's like it's 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 there and ready to go. It's, there's so much work, but it's just you've got to have that spark and then take it and carry and and, and carry the idea and, and work on it. I mean, it's it's a spark. I mean, yeah. like like we were Joe, Joe said to me uh, in Scotland, we were doing a film together, funny enough, with Eddie Izzard. And that that film was quite fruitful, actually, because it ended up being Directed by Gillis McKinnon, who's going to direct one of our films, starring Joe Bone, who I wrote <laughs> with, and Eddie Izzard, who we did six with. So, you know, um, it's all about these relationships. But what happened was with that, he said, have you heard of the Flannel Isle mystery? And from that on, we built a story. We liked the idea of having this trinity. With Eddie Izzard, he had a, a picture of this school crest that was a 1939 finishing school for girls on the south coast of England called Bexhill Augusta College for Girls. Uh, and one side of the, the, the badge was a uh, Union Jack and the other side was a swastika. And it's where prominent Nazis sent their daughters and goddaughters to this finishing school right up to 1939. <clears throat> and at that time, it was like, well, that's a brilliant hook. You know, what if we used inspired by that school? Because it really happened. Von Ribbentrop's daughter, Himmler's goddaughter went there right up before the Second World War. So then our imagination sets fire and we think, what could this John Buchan, Alfred Hitchcock, a, 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 you know, pre-wartime thriller be? Um, uh, so so that, that pushes it. And for us, having Eddie Izzard's first script, and it, mm. that was a very attractive thing to so sort of work with. very, very important to you. Hugely. Right, because would I be right in saying that the, maybe the market and what's happening in terms of trends is not as important to you as, as cast and talents and those connections or is it a combination none of them ever come without without the script so yeah. i mean it's really easy for kel to describe that journey with joe or with eddie or whatever but one of the things that uh, coming new to it amazed me is how hard these guys work on the mm. script you know there was times with the vanishing where ideas would come back and you, you guys would have to go back in a room you know and yeah, i've yeah. got my head in my hands going i cannot believe this is happening again but it takes a long time and an unbelievable amount of hard work and also the ability to take notes and criticism which must be enormously hard to do mm -hmm. but to get that and then go away and come back with new ideas and fresh approaches and everything 
that always amazes me. And it's it's that thing that will bring everything else. And anyone can have an idea, but to write a brilliant script with amazing roles in it is is tough. It's a craft but as well. That, that's the it? thing that will attract everything time. else. But also, the all, but also you can't the, the market forces thing. Films take so long to make. Yeah. 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 Do you know what I mean? Like like the guys weren't talking to Zara going, Do you know what? In 2019, a female-led comedy about cheerleaders would be so absolutely the right time for that sort of perspective and story mm. because that was four years ago mm. and four years ago so to us it was like that's just a really good story yeah. wow a woman checks in an old people's home to die and then decides to live mm. that's a good story mm -hmm. and for the writers in the room we know that you know the difference is <clears throat> people go i've got an idea for you Oh, I've got a story. You know, ideas aren't story. Ideas are ephemeral. They're moments. They're injection of, of adrenaline or emotion. Or they're not story. Story is something that moves and grows and builds and clings to you, like Age says. So, market forces. We're not. You can't do it because films take so long. Who knows what it's going to be? In, what the appetite is going to be in four years' time? You've just got to go with the story. The other thing about market forces is as well, and you will come across this, is is a lot of decisions that are made at that end, at the sort of studio end or whatever. They're almost like spreadsheet producing where they go, what did well last year? We need another one of them. And that's not, in my opinion, the way to go. You know, if, if everyone else is, is zigging zag, as someone once said, you know, it's just think of an idea. And if you love it, because it's going to be with you a long time, so you've got to be committed to it. Mm. Just go with it, and and everything else will will happen if it's meant to. So let's talk about the kind of trajectory. So 2014, Sepa came out. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And then now, on the face of things, I mean, what's the budget of Poms? <clears throat> Eleven million dollars. Eleven million dollars. Which is still not it's a not massive. Huge, but it's, but it's not studio it's budget, but it's a big old budget. Um, and quite high for six minutes to midnight as well. That's um, six million again, yeah. Six million pounds. pounds. Yeah. Right. So. You've also got TV projects and developments on the face of things like huge success. Um, and what would you attribute that to in terms of how you've scaled? And obviously, Sean has come on board and it was all me, Sean. It definitely wasn't all me. Well, I think it's a combination, and, and I think uh, trying to relate things back as much as we can to the room in terms of. Well, so we, have, was... we have Sean and Andy who, who ran businesses within the entertainment industry. Right. You know what I mean? I, you know, so between them. We're trying to build projects yeah. at the same time as building a business. Yeah. And some people are very good at doing one and not the other mm -hmm. and vice versa. And I think it's about doing both those things. Mm -hmm. And you should remind me to talk about the EIS situation because that may be relevant now to mm -hmm. people starting off in the business more than it was for projects. So we'll maybe come back to that yeah. in a bit. But I think when we spent those two years, which were two really hard years because no one was paying us, um, and we had to develop a slate to the point where we were proud enough and confident enough to go to the market mm. to try and raise what we've ended up raising about 20 million quid. <clears throat> and that doesn't happen easily. And that, that was a combination of great ideas becoming great scripts. Those scripts attacking the right talent, because unfortunately, mm. the traditional route to finance is much more bothered than perhaps it should be mm. on what talent you've got associated. So your script will get you through the door it won't get you any money, probably, which is really sad, but is is tends to be the case. So it's about using our, our material to attract the talent and then presenting a package. 
And when we present our package as well, we spent a lot of time, some would argue too much time, but I think it was really worth it. So we had a great script. You have some great names associated with that. But then we also presented it in a way that I think made it look to anybody who was going to put a penny of their hard-earned money into it, that these guys care and understand it. So if we're doing a treatment document, it wouldn't be a one-page document that lots of people do. It might be a 15-page booklet that we produced beautifully. The business plan. The proper, proper plan, but presented in the right way with enough care and attention behind it. So when we sat in front of people, they thought, hopefully they thought we were able to do it. They liked the script, they liked the talent, and they thought we presented it in the right way. And the overall package unlocked the cash. The challenge is for smaller uh, companies and people <clears throat> starting out, being constantly in production as a producer, and being able to step back and have that vision that you talk about mm. and the kind of strategy. Mm. Was that something that you began to get together and, and plan <clears throat> while Set Fires was going mm. on or off the back of it, really? Kind of all started off the back of it. I think after yeah. Set Fire, we literally, heads down for two years, literally. So we were right. trying to raise development money just to keep ourselves in, you know, kids and nappies and mortgage <laughs> and stuff that you have to live off. Um, I know we're not going to have much time, but the, the, the key thing is, I mean, you know, We've now got to a point where we can open more doors. And the one thing I can say is we're a hell of a lot more aware of the things that we don't know about. I mean, it used to be great when we didn't do Sweet FA because then you could just keep going forward. Um, but, you know, we've always talked about this package, you know, because the point is if you're going to, whether you're going to give it to an actor to read and you, unless you know them, you're going to be going through their agent. Um, and whether you're going to get a penny of money from a BFI application, you need to, and you probably get one shot with this as well. You need to, when you put that package together of script and treatment and finance plan or how you're going to finance it, you kind of get one chance. So, you know, pitch that to your parents, pitch it to your cousins, pitch it to people that you know. So when you take it, you, you know you're giving it your best shot. And that's whether you're going to, whoever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we've done several bfi applications and not not had a single one we well, still don't come Cymru, come on we're backing you i think <laughs> you're it's nice. interesting isn't it because <laughs> the ones you want London. a package and it's so important actually also to have something visual for assessors mm. but equally a lot of the financiers will have particular opinions about cast and won't want certain hgs mm. on board at the point of application so it's just i i yeah. appreciate it. it's a very difficult balance um, you also, you know it as well, but you go, we had an instance, there's a film we're going to be making in February next year, and I won't mention the names of, of the cast, but you go to sales agents who play a very important part, actually, in terms of helping you to raise this cash, because attaching a sales agent who's believable, who can provide some numbers on what they think this film is going to be able to achieve, that unlocks the finance is really important. But we talked to sales agents, and we had this member of cast that we were going for, and we went to a sales agent, so it was roughly sort of four and a half million pounds that we needed this film to be made for. He was one sales agent. He said, we've got such and such um, who think we think we can get. And I, do you know what? That, that person just isn't going to get you that budget. We had another call half an hour later to somebody, and they're like, wow, perfect. We think we can give you the figures that are going to achieve that. So it's really, you've got to be careful not Nobody to be guided. Nobody knows anything. Nobody Everyone's knows anything. making it up, basically. <laughs> There's a lot, there is a hell of a lot of truth to yeah. that, though, isn't there? You've got to make it so easy because they're lazy sales agents. I'll tell you now. I can tell you that we went with the same eight sales agents, right, with a script and a year ago. I'm kind of honest. I love um, it. And I can tell you, you, you will have to take it to the nth degree to make it so easy for either a sales agent or money to go yes. You won't believe how far you just have to keep pushing and pushing because I can tell you that within a three-month period, I had sales agents going, nah, don't like the script, actually. And then you suddenly get the cast and they go, 
Oh, we love that script. Oh, we're, we definitely want it now. You know, it, it's smoke and mirrors. It's that's some of the things that you have really learned is. I think we should go to questions from the audience on that note. Yes. About six minutes. Guys, six minutes yeah. to midnight. Mm -hmm. to we'll also yabber to anybody outside until we have to. Yeah, run sorry, I, we ran over that. Just to sort of. Yes. Just check. Mm -hmm. This is double. Yeah. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, just first of all, Dialg, thank you. Um, I work for Interfilm. Kellen is an amazing ambassador for us. <laughs> um, at knowing Kellen so well that I do, I think sometimes he doesn't give enough credit to how ambitious and driven and motivated he is and I, I get the impression you all are um you know one thing Kellen has said uh, well two things I want to pick up on um I know I've been in an event with Kellen where he said it's so important to um well we've just been in a session basically where people have said it's really important to be nice and actually that's a really important skill in the industry and you never know when you're going to come across those people again would you say that's true in your experience and um Secondly, um, Kellen, you've said about um, Wales, you know, in a few years, we'll be able to say my dad worked in the industry, you know, my mum worked on the camera, my... my yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, you know, Wales as being the hotbed that it is, how, you know, what's your take on that? So two, two questions, sorry. Well, first of all, uh, if you're asking, if you're having to remind yourself to be nice, take a good look at yourself really because uh, you know what i mean and you shouldn't think about being nice just because you're in this industry just be bloody nice um you but know there are plenty of people there was a great line and it might be a bit rude to, de to deliver there's a great line that we were told yeah, it's got a lot of effort, just as we we're about to leave from la haven't been told our film was financed and we're going to get this line into a film and send it to the guy who said this line to us as a way of saying we haven't changed and we never will change and sure, your, you can say nice you can say f you you can say f you and that's fine or i can say f you and f you harder than i'm effing you right now <laughs> that's a great hollywood moment right so that went from your film is financed to your film isn't financed half an hour before we were due at the airport so but, you know, um but there are so plenty of people like that but i think the people who will continue to work and get credit will be the people who stay true to how to they really are more genuine yeah but but the whole the whole thing i mean interfilms is amazing charity and what i what i what i said was it's like you know the mines have closed the industry's closing all that but all this sort of entertainment industry and studios have been built in wales i thought generations coming they're going you know what are you doing boy we're focus pullers you know, <laughs> you know, you know going down the studios get down the studios like like my father and his father before him um but the point is that it's a viable industry you know and the point is it starts with education and the only re the reason what gave me the confidence to even think i could do set fire was because i ended up working uh in education in london with children who just inspired me so much i thought god if they can if they had the guts and the bravery to just come up with those ideas to want to express themselves in a certain way why am i sitting on the fence so i think yeah wales is a perfect place to work uh we if we ignore young people if we ignore the youth we are doomed as a as a as a society never mind as an industry so we have to make them feel that they can come into this industry that we are making stuff and we're making good stuff and we're not just a uh, service provider 
for other people as well. So that's my soapbox. But <laughs> thank you. To that silence. Oh. Um, yeah, you can hear me. Hi. Um, as someone who does um, producing and commercials and that kind of stuff, I often have trouble getting good cast in things. It's always quite difficult because yeah. of budget. And I was interested in how you approached <laughs> without budget to agents, because obviously agents can be quite funny not knowing the director or the you know, other people in the cast. Um, and I'm just interested in how you got, even were able to get in front of Elijah with, with the agent involved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole thing is, is that nobody has budget, really, because the budget comes when the person says yes. But you have to, so, so when the guys approached Elijah, it was like, if Elijah said yes, we knew we'd have the budget for the film. So it's chicken and egg kind of thing, really. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have the budget when we went to Gerard Butler either. You know, it was the, you know, the end of the day, the agent is employed to look for projects for their, for their actor. So if you have something that ticks yeah. a box and then it's, a, it's, it's, it's like buying a house, isn't it? You don't walk around with all the money to buy a house in your pocket. You know that if you have the deposit in the accounts and the means to do it, that, you know, like all of a sudden you buy a house and, the, the, the lawyers and the banks do that witchcraft of buying your house <laughs> and on paper you've bought it. And in a way it's the same with, with filmmakers. So people think you've got the money, but you haven't got the money, but, but you've done a lot of intelligence that you can't, you just gotta be careful that you don't ask somebody oh, to do yeah, it. Yeah. That can't. Yeah. But I think the other thing is, as Andy said before, he was talking about, you know, you only get one shot. Ultimately, like the thing that surprised me talking to agents and then when you speak to everyone wants to work, right if no one works there's no industry um but as kel said it you know if, if it's three lines or or a lead role or whatever it is just make it amazing make it attractive and as andy said you can show that you are serious and make people take you seriously in the way that you approach them right very rarely do you ring a, a, a i mean we're just doing one more at the minute with, with a, a project where we're trying to find a director and I got to the point the other week, the agent, where I said to you, I think we're going to have to move on. And then all of a sudden he yeah. called. But it was sort of part relentlessness and part making it attractive, right? So that ultimately all the agent wants to do is get paid, but actually they're also the gatekeeper for good projects. So convince them you're serious and make that project as attractive as possible because you'll get one shot. And if it looks good, you'll get through that gate. And ultimately that's all you can ever do, right? If you get to the talent, whatever role they are, if they read it, you never know that, how they're going to react to it. It can be the wrong time. It can be the right time. There's a million reasons why people will say yes and no. But if you can get to that point, at least the projects have the time. But the other thing is, it, be prepared. As Keller always says at the start, let's get the no's out of the way as quick as possible. That's the other thing. Loads of people are going to say no to you. Don't take it to heart and don't lose faith or belief in what you're doing. If intrinsically, you think it's good eventually you'll find somebody else who thinks the same i mean you can do it i mean look we, these four films we've made four films now and they're all they're still indie films but out of those four films we've had four oscar winners so it's crazy there's an oscar winning editor and three oscar winning actors so mm -hmm. it's you know again it's, you, you know when someone goes and does a marvel film for six months 
it might be nice to come and do two weeks in, in their own country yeah. near home doing a black and white film yeah. with Griff Reese in a B-movie thing that they can just have some fun with and stretch their acting credentials. You know, you think about that, you know, don't go to Gerard Butler and say, I want you to do an action man and save the president because that's all he ever does. Yeah. That's how he met us. And we got him to come to Scotland for six weeks and then went back to doing another action film. That one pays the bills. This one stretches the acting. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. I'm so sorry. No, right. I did say I was going to do a really hard task last time. But before we go, please, can we go massive round of applause for Kimberly Kelly.